Welcome to episode 68 of Breakout Culture. I'm Ed Vasey, none other than the culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the associate editor at Country and Townhouse. And today we are thrilled to have one of Britain's foremost artists with us. She burst onto the scene when Charles Saatchi bought her 1995 work, created from a tent entitled Everyone I Ever, ever Slept With, 1963 to 1995. Then, of course, in 1999, her famous bed was exhibited at the Tate and shortlisted for the Turner Prize. I am, of course, talking about the prodigious Tracy Emin, who's been at the pinnacle of the art scene ever since. Yes, I don't think Tracy needed that uh, introduction because <laughs> everybody knows who Tracy is. <laughs> she's, she's a national treasure. She and is. I could have had a different introduction, couldn't I? Yeah. So anyway, I've known Tracy for a long time. Shall I tell you the story? I think I've told Tracy this story. So I went to this bizarre dinner organised by the Tory party. It was actually organised by the Treasures Department, but it was organised by somebody very entrepreneurial and they invited lots of people from the arts. And amazingly, they all accepted. And I thought this is a great way to meet the art world. And the Tories thought this is a great way to raise money from artists, not realising, obviously, that none of the artists there would vote Tory. <laughs> and when I came early, I saw I was sitting next to Tracy Emin and I moved my place setting. You know this story, don't you, Tracy? Yeah, because you told You've me. You've told it on the podcast as well, actually, oh. Ed. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> anyway, I moved my place setting and then I said, no, you've got to have the courage. And uh, I moved it back and Tracy was wonderful. What were you so scared of? Well, I hate to be a bit of a cliche, <laughs> but there is a, there is a scene on the telly where she's at the Turner Prize. <laughs> no, but, but we were at a dinner. We were at a dinner talking, a number of artists, talking to yourself and Jeremy Hunt and other members of the Tory party, Tory, about arts and about issues with arts, about lack of money, about the lack of funding, what we wanted you to do. If you got in, what would you promise that we'd do? And I think I famously showed you a quick slip of how much tax I'd just paid and yes. said, well, in all of this when you're not doing anything for the arts and you've never done anything for the arts etc etc and you yes. if we get in we'll look after the arts yes and you did on your watch you and jeremy hunt did we're not tried. very happy at the moment tracy I, I was reading that you have demanded that my passion is taken out of downing street well, I, I, okay it isn't just that I've it. I've said that I think it should be taken out for a number of different reasons. I mean, one reason is that um, I think neon is notoriously good for good feeling, good atmosphere, party atmosphere, gambling, Las Vegas, brothels, you know, nightclubs, bars. <laughs> I do not think number 10 needs any more help with that kind of stuff at the moment especially not my neon they don't need any more passion in that house they're making their own parties they're showing the world they can party when no one else can so i think that they don't really need my neon there my neon needs to go somewhere where people really need to feel better and be uplifted that's what i would like well it is yeah. technically i think part of the government art collection which is an amazing thing so in theory the government art collection could take it and put it somebody somewhere else 
I think they're going to. And also what people don't realise is that I gave that work to the government. When David Cameron was Prime Minister, he could request a, a work of art. A number of Prime Ministers request a portrait of themselves to be made by a contemporary artist. But actually David Cameron wanted a work of mine. So... What I did, instead of the public arts collection buying it, I donated it to the public art collection. And the public art collection isn't a one-party issue. It's for the whole of government for the time immemorial. So, um, as I said at the time, I might have been happy with it hanging in 10 Downing Street then, but it wasn't necessarily going to mean that I always would. And I feel bitterly disappointed what's happened with the government at the moment, not just with the COVID thing, the party thing, but also how they're treating the arts. It has never been worse and, and it's appalling. We're talking to you from Margate. How is Margate? Yeah, I, my studio's here, all my work's here. I'm really, really happy here. I've got my house in London, but I actually spend nearly all my time here at the moment. It's just much it's more conducive for artists. It's more relaxing. Great big skies, northern light, lots of artists, lots of creative people coming here and living here because I can actually afford to stay in London, but the majority of artists can't anymore. It's absolutely impossible. Which brings us on to your fabulous new foundation. Can we hear all about that? Yeah. So just by chance, a really big property came up for sale, which my friend was going to buy, and they decided not to buy it. And they'd done all the searches on it and everything. And just in a kind of quick remark, they said, you should buy it and do your art school there. And I said, yeah, I should. And that was it. And within a week, I bought it. And so it will hold about 40. There will be about 20 smaller studios for the younger people and about 20 studios for the older, uh, more uh, like semi professional artist and everything will be subsidized it's completely non-profit some studios will be free people will not pay if they're coming from special circumstances it's there is a sort of slight philosophy that goes with the idea of it there'll be lectures there'll be film shows there'll be tutorials there'll be crits there'll be guest lecturers um, artists gallerists uh, journalists, art critics, art historians coming down and they will advise, they will critique and they will make people feel enthusiastic about being artists. What I would like to install in this, this place is that um, is not about wanting to be an artist, but being an artist, living an artist, feeling like an artist. And so what I'm going to do is take care of the things that make you suffer like like freezing cold studios not being able to pay the studio rent or, or, or eating during the day or whatever all of that is taken care of all they have to do is work really hard and change their work and push themselves and make themselves feel confident to go out there and be an artist how are you going to choose people as it were oh they apply hmm? and on the panel they have to apply yeah. And I'll have a panel and people of people and people will first of all they put in an application form. And then from that application form, we then will ask people to come in person with their work. I think what I really liked um about this was that you are giving them this is such a fantastic opportunity for anyone who wants to be an artist. But you're very serious about it. I mean, this is this is not for the kind of weekend dilettante, is it? They really got to be proper artists. You're really going to vet them, which is great. Already been so trolled and so slagged off for it. Like, can you're you? What? Kidding. Why? 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 Well, I think it might be because I voted Tory. <laughs> <laughs> 
any 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 excuse and they'll they'll come and get me but well so you've got a kind of tory legacy that anything you do the people who yeah, can't bear the fact you voted tory yeah, even when i cancel because i voted tory. <laughs> like, no stop oh no oh, this anyway put that aside put that aside um um so I said that I didn't want people doing 10 or 15 part-time jobs and then saying they couldn't come into the studio. And yeah. I've been classes, I've been called this, been called that, because I won't... So obviously my studios are just for the elite and rich because um, I won't let people have part-time jobs. And, like, that is willfully misunderstanding what I said, right? When I had a studio, you had to do all manner of things people had to work in they had to work like sort of you know 12 hours a day and they'd be in their studios and then their studios would close at 10 o'clock at night you know it was really difficult to find the time to do the work this way I've got 24 hours studios I've got night security people have to clock in and clock out so we know who's in and who's out of the building and if people have a part-time job cleaning from seven in the morning to 11 they can then work all the rest of the time at the studio. But what I don't want them doing is saying, I can't come to my studio because I've got to work because I am subsidizing a lot of this. And I'm also gonna be in contact with a lot of sponsors to try and get paint, to try and get materials, to try and get that kind of stuff, which I never do. I never use my name for anything, but I will use my name for this, you know. Where, where are they gonna live? It's much cheaper to live in Margate or Kent, this area of Kent, than it is in London or any major city. It's like a quarter of the price, probably. And also there's a number of shared houses. There's um, um, a lot of artists now moving to Dover, which is half an hour away. But but it's very cheap in Dover to live, you know. And so artists, people can share places. They, and also the, the free studios, the ones that are residences, are only two years. And then the others are three years contractually. Because I don't want people to just think, oh, I'm onto a good thing. I can just go off to Acapulco now. You know, <laughs> they could be in the studio working. That's that's the idea. And all the people slagging me off for it. I just went and bought the building. At the moment, renovating it all, putting all new roofs on, getting all the Wi-Fi set up, putting all new floor down everywhere, putting new windows in, you know, all the security in, all of this kind of stuff. And this is what I'm spending my savings on haven't you got a restaurant as well in the morgue yeah. there's a morgue or yeah. something tell us about that but the restaurant is non-profit the restaurant is a catering school it's going to be run by Dory's in margate and we're hoping to have at least 24 people go through this and this is young people without qualifications young people who maybe like left school early maybe been in trouble or something and we want to give them a chance with cooking and catering and hospitality and, and and so we won't just have the like and the, of course the restaurant's going to take a little the canteen restaurant it's going to take a little while to get going because people have to learn to cook <laughs> we're going to have tables and chairs outside and everything so then we'll be hiring staff for waitresses different things you know it, it's it's a going concern not and it's yeah, there may be a little bit of my ego involved, but the bit of ego that's involved is the good bit. It's the energy mm. to want to bring about change, to want to do something positive. So all those people that want to slag me off for doing it, when they're nearly 60, they should just go and get all of their savings and do something good for society, change things, give people a chance, give people an opportunity. Don't slag me off for doing it. Go mm. out and do it themselves.
And it's exactly the same with Turner Contemporary when it opened in Margate. There was people that were so aggressively against it, really, I mean, really, really nasty and, and really bad about it, saying it was a waste of money, they wanted more hospital beds. And I had to go around lobbying people and saying, this is it, you know, you're being given an art gallery, nothing else. Just take the gallery and see what happens. And then you've got people now in Margate going, I never could believe that an art gallery would just change my whole destiny. And Margate's really changed. There's lots of cottage industries. There's a lot of creative people coming to live here now. Everything is slowly being renovated and looked after. The seafront is getting better. The beach in the summer now is packed. We've got a vintage theme park, dreamland, you know. And, and I just think all of this is really positive. And what really needs to happen desperately is the, the train fares, you know, the, the need to be needs to be subsidised or nationalised or something. Because, you know, all these people could live in different parts of England, and but they it's too expensive to travel on the train. It's impossible. So... Mm. What hmm. was the building... Um, Tracy, why has it got a morgue in it? What was it? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So it was an old Edwardian baths. So the bathhouses were for people who were working in the um, hotel industry so as they could bath. And on those baths, there was, um, so there must have been you know, a lot of hot running water. There was also the morgue was built and it's a tiny morgue. And it was built for, sadly, it was built for bodies that were people that were lost at sea oh. and bodies at sea and these bodies would be on such a level of decay that was so horrific that they couldn't go into the large morgue with with all the other bodies because of contamination and different things so it was a morgue just for the bodies that were found at sea so in a strange way it's kind of beautiful and sad it isn't just like slabs of dead bodies laid out there's there's something else there's like a kind of mystery there's it involves the sea so can i put my politician's hat on and say when you get all these artists are you going to think about things like diversity and gender balance and geographical balance are you going to try and get artists from all over the UK are you going to try and make sure half are women or is it nope. just the best nope one, okay. one <laughs> word. that question dealt with <laughs> one, no there's one word involved and it's motivation hmm that's it. That's the main criteria is motivation. And I know, I know what I'm like, you know, I, if I'll be looking at portfolios and different things or whatever, and the applications, and I just know what I'm like, I'm going to go for quite probably extreme people on their paper or what they've written or by their work. And those people often have a story to tell. So that's what I'm interested in as well. I mean, I left school at 13 first time. And then by law, I had to go back when I was 15. I went back for four months. And when I was 15, I left school with no qualifications. And actually, CSE grade one in drama, <laughs> not surprising. And uh, I left school at 15 and managed to do what I've done and achieve what I've achieved and I've worked really hard all my life I've never cheated I've never squandered anything I've always been diligent slightly frugal I've always saved all those kind of things and you know I'm I was lucky enough to go to a school that when I went back when I was 15 I did art 
sort of three days a week. Look at me. I excelled. And there's many people like me from my generation that did really, really well. And I just think it's a crime that there isn't there isn't art, an art syllabus in schools now, because if you're really academic, then fine. But I wasn't academic, but I also wasn't stupid. And art was for me was like a it was like my friend. It was my sanctuary at school, because if not, I would have just in Margate and in this area, but especially back in the 70s, had a really high rate of teenage pregnancies and single mums. It still has. And I just think that that's definitely what I was in line for. Uh, and, and I didn't because art caught me and it caught me at school and it caught me enough for me to continue to want to pursue this all my life. But there isn't those opportunities for people anymore. And this is to my school what I'm doing I want to give people opportunity so not only have we got the studios and the school we'll do um in the summer we'll do life drawing classes for 100 people out in the car park you know the lectures everybody's welcome if there's room that kind of thing we'll do keynote film nights for small groups and seminars you know and also all my friends from whether it's you know Jake Chapman to um I don't know like Rachel Whiteweed to uh, so many artist friends from Anthony Gormley I know these people will be happy to come and teach and and help and help what I'm doing and someone said to me about well how are you going to do this syllabus and is it going to be a degree course and I said no of course not and they said well what does anyone get from this course and I said they get to be an artist I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing but can we talk about you for a little bit because you know and it's no secret that you've been kind of radically desperately ill and have miraculously defied death and you've worked but you've carried on working Tracy which is absolutely amazing because you're having an exhibition well when I came out of hospital um and was feeling like a because I couldn't even stand or walk properly or anything. Carl has the print has a print workshop next door, Counter Editions. And so Carl set up, they set up lots of etching plates, not etching plates, lifo plates for me. And I drew on them. And I drew, drew this really weird series of self-portraits, like quite strange. And then I did more and more and more. And then now, and then after Christmas, I was feeling so much physically stronger, which I'm not now because of COVID. But um, Carl, they've got a giant um, screen printing bed that's eight foot by six foot. So I did these giant um, mono screen prints, uh, seven of them, and the show's called uh, A Journey to Death. It was, it was A Journey to Death, and Carl said, no, surely you're wrong, it's A Journey from Death. So I changed it to A Journey from Death, but I felt that it was wrong, it had to be to death. So now I've changed it back now to A Journey to Death. Oh, out of interest, why did you think it was wrong? Because we're all going to die. Oh, okay. no, <laughs> no, only, you know, we're all going in the same direction. We're all we're all going there. And also, I thought journey from death, even though it's sort of like optimistic and everything, it sounds like like yeah, I survived the mountain. I swam through the river. You know, I got through the desert. I survived my journey from death. And it wasn't like that. It was like, you know, I think almost every day I feel like I'm on a journey to death, to be honest, you know. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like that as the truth. You've said that in terms of fighting cancer, you've never wanted to live so more. Oh, how can I explain it without sounding moody? Right. So what happens is you you think you're going to die. You're told that you possibly are going to die. You might die, that you're possibly not going to be around at Christmas. And so you, so you think, right, I accept all that. 
And then, wow, you, you fight it all and you make it through and you are around at Christmas and then you're around the next Christmas, which is brilliant. And then you realise that life continues. Life is still a struggle. Life is still difficult. So you can have this high, this amazing high of surviving and living and getting through this awful thing. But then you have to confront life. I, I watched your interview with Kirsty Walk when you had your exhibition of work alongside Monk's work at the Royal Academy. And you were absolutely remarkable. I mean, you just, the, the amount of your body that had been taken away from you. I mean, I was quite, I was looking at you thinking, but hang on, she hasn't, she hasn't got a stomach, a womb, a bladder, a this, <laughs> you know, there's probably nothing left of you except your, and yet there you were saying, I'm just going to carry on and I feel grateful every day. And I, I mean, very few people would be able to have that kind of resilience, you know. Yeah. Still got a lot of resilience. Yeah, and telling me, <laughs> getting much stronger and better. And I started swimming again. I was sw swimming every day, and I swam. I swam for about two, mo three months, and and so I got myself quite strong again. And then the COVID just sort of, oh, I wasn't expecting it to to make me feel so ill, but it was awful. So if I'm a little bit down or whatever, it's because I I felt it was a bit unfair. So can we just go go back to this amazing? foundation of yours for a minute when's it due to get up and running when when is it going to be open for applications the studios will be ready by the summer and the free studio the school i think i'll have up up and running from september and also the other thing now got about 30 people down there working bricklayers this that whatever you know roofers all, all kinds of people contractors who are all local as well from this area but i mean that's what it's all about it's all about how culture can transform towns i mean with my politicians hat on again, I mean, I think there's so much that politicians will learn from your school, but they should also obviously learn and understand how culture can transform places. But you stick your head above the parapet and you're going to get shot. I think in, in, in Britain, there's a kind of uh, negativity. It's, it's deemed as being negative when you do good things. People don't seem to appreciate it or they think that you're there's an ulterior motive or something. You know, I said at the beginning, facetiously that you're a national treasure but the reason I say that is because it's always stuck in my mind when you came to have lunch with me in the House of Commons how many people like the doorkeepers and the policemen and so on wanted to stop and say hello to you and they don't do that with other people who come to the House of Commons they wanted to say hello to you and they had smiles on their faces. I was polite and I was really, they could see how excited I was, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't that. They don't go up to every person that's excited <laughs> to come to the House of Commons. Well, I think what's interesting as well is people love a kind of victim, don't they? I mean, in a way, when you were really, really well, ill. Great that they but they 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 were all oh they what an amazing woman when you were talking about how ill you were and now that you're kind of bouncing back and doing this incredible thing they're all up you know up for shooting at you again. There's so many people who I know for a fact don't like me, don't respect me, don't give a damn about me, and they send me little messages saying you know oh I know we haven't always seen eye to eye but I just want to say you know please get well soon or stuff like this and it was like a real case of you miss me when I'm gone and I think when I had cancer I think a lot of people that were maybe disparaging about me before they actually maybe saw another side of me which they weren't it wasn't like they felt sorry for me, but they were unaware of that side of me, you know, and they could see it when I was really down and when things were really bad, they could see that maybe I was quite genuine. I've always held doors open for people. I've always said thank you and please, but I do it even more now.
you know? I don't expect people to do it for me. It's the other way around. I'm, I'm more, more giving, more forgiving, more, because life's short. And also nothing, life is for living. If you don't live it, well, what's the point, you know? <laughs> I so <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> now tell us about the cats. So you had a wonderful cat called Docket, who sadly yeah, left us, what, Docket. last year? Yeah. Um, and now you got two. Yeah, Docket for 20 years and the vet said it was a, a testament to my love that he lives so long so but I was pretty devastated and thought I'm never going to get another cat I can't I can't and then someone just sent me a picture of these kittens and they said I saw these thought of you and that was it I got them because if you've gone through a, something like like I did when I wasn't well and everything and you're coming out the other side having some like an animal that, that obviously is warm and affectionate and everything that comes up and says good morning in the morning or makes you smile or makes you happy and having these two cats playing with each other and everything it's a constant source of amusement to me and it makes me really really genuinely happy you're being very quiet ed we know you're madly in love with your dog <laughs> i do i love my dog i mean i, I totally i totally get what i mean i was a cat person i grew up with two burmese cats who were very uh volleyball but then anyway so then now we've got a dog and now i'm a total <laughs> i'm a total dog person so have you discussed this with your therapist i have actually <laughs> but we've got a dog and the dog is like like i came home today and the dog obviously hadn't been out or something and had been on its own for a few hours and it's just like lick heaven we communicate we communicate with squeaks and snuffles and head nudges and kisses and it's just great you're a lucky man. Ed. I wonder whether that makes me slightly unempathetic because maybe I can only relate to animals. No, but you love your dog, so it's good. It shows a nice side of you. Karen's. <laughs> Do you think your cats help you paint, Tracy? Yeah, I've got really good film footage of them. It's so funny. As soon as I get brushed up and paint, they're at it. It, it's absolutely brilliant. And with the, when they were tiny and I was painting on big canvases, they they literally ran and ran up the canvases and just slid down like that. And you know, like they're little paw marks everywhere. I've got paw marks on the canvases and things. And uh, this week I've been just doing some tiny watercolors of the table. And every time I take the brush out, like they go like this, then she, definitely her, she plays with the brush and pushes it. It's, I love it. This is sounding slightly weird and a massive gear change, but I'm interested in your commerciality and I don't obviously mean that in a pejorative way but you are it's interesting as a, when I was arts minister you know you had a lot of grief from people in the art world you know the horrible Tories they're all about money but actually I always used to say well look artists are entrepreneurs you know they have to go from a standing start they have to find an audience they're driven by passion actually just as anyone else who founds a business is driven uh, by passion yeah well yeah but I've been true to my art that's all I've ever done is made art. I never tried to make money. I never tried to be financially successful. I just always made art. My art was incredibly uh, unpopular and not, you know, it was only my confidence and my willpower that made me continue doing what I was doing. And sometimes, you know, by being outside of what is popular you then end up being right smack bang in the center and that's what happened to me I, I will, i'm going to have to put the politics thing straight i've voted tory twice in my life 
The rest of the time I voted Labour, massive Tony Blair supporter. I'm right in the centre of all politics. And your party at your time was very much of the centre at that time. So I just want to make that clear. Being astute and clever and financially sassy as an artist is often looked down upon. It's often considered that you're not... A sellout, exactly, like a sellout. Mm. Yeah, sold out or whatever. But I haven't sold out. I've been true to my art. And also, I've never... I was often say this, I've never taken drugs. And when I was young, and everyone was doing coke and Christ knows what else, they were spending, like, you know, hundreds of pounds a week on sticking stuff up their nose. And I was saving all my money. And I bought a house. And then I did this. And then I did that. And then I did this. And... From my back, I've been homeless three times in my life, completely homeless. And so for me, being an artist has been a massive struggle because I didn't have the support or the sort of like A-level background that people have. And I had to really, I've had to really fight and to do what I've been doing. And because of that, I've always looked after it. And I've always, my art is, is my, my, my everything, you know. It's very interesting that you used that word confidence earlier because... From what you're describing, all this homelessness and this struggle, where do you think that comes from, that that real proper inner confidence just to keep bloody well going? Uh, I think it's my, dad, my dad's Turkish Cypriot and he came to England in 1948 on a £10 boat ticket on his way to Australia, but he they wouldn't let him in Australia because he was too dark, so he stayed in London. And my dad was pretty tenacious and sort of, and my dad only had two years of Quran school. That's the only education he ever had and whatever. And then my mum come from a Roma gypsy family, English gypsies, and from the East End and everything. And I just think my background is, first of all, really exotic and pretty fabulous and amazing and exciting. And I also think that both of those cultures, my great, great, my great, my dad's granddad was from the Sudan and he was from Nubia, a slave in the Ottoman Empire. So there's all this kind of mix of culture. And, and I think that all of that has just made me kind of a fighter. So, yeah. So I've got lots to be happy about, really, haven't I? What a fantastic note to end on. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy, yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's brilliant. OK, bye, Ed. Bye, bye. darling. Sadly, that's all we've got time for this week. But don't forget that the latest edition of Country and Townhouse is out now at selected newsstands and Waitrose, as well as online, of course, along with the 2022 edition of Great British Brands. You can be found at countryandtownhouse.co.uk, where you'll also find our sister podcast, House Guest, with all the latest news on interiors from Carol Annette. And just add forward slash newsletter to subscribe both to the weekly magazine newsletter and to the Great British Brands monthly one. We love your feedback, so keep it coming to charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. The sun has started to come out, the afternoons are lengthening and spring is definitely in the air. So next week we're going to be telling you all the wonderful places round Britain you can see sculpture outside with news of upcoming outdoor exhibitions this summer. And we're going to be in conversation with the Henry Moore Foundation and the Yorkshire Sculpture Park. So definitely lots to look forward to this summer. Tune in next week to hear more. Bye. See you next week.